This season, we're highlighting other indie Black podcasts. The Black Sublime podcast started as queer Black commentary on music, culture, politics, and community, but it's grown into much more. Their show explores the next steps in our collective journeys toward liberation, peace, and joy, all through sharing our narratives, vulnerability, and analytical questioning of how oppression affects all of our lives. Hosted by Anthony White, aka Mr. Haberdashery, this podcast does just that while making you laugh along the way. Hey, welcome to You Had Me at Black. I'm Martina Abraham Zalunga. You should know that this story deals with depression and mental illness. It comes from Toby. Instead of going home for the summer, Toby decided to get a job on their college campus. They were excited. But you know how a great job can be soured by a bad boss? Well, that happened to Toby, and everything unraveled. They had to learn to listen to what their gut was telling them. Here's what happened. Black girl magic and all that good shit. I am definitely a motherfucking mermaid. I took my shirt off. I was like, oh yeah, this is cool. But they start taking everything off. I was like, niggas don't skinny dip. Black women are healers and nobody can tell me any different. You're listening to You Had Me at Black. So my story begins April of 2019. I'm a junior in college and I'm looking for on-campus summer housing. Since I'm a queer child of religious Nigerian immigrants, I think it's just best for me to stay on campus. And so I'm looking into different centers that provide on-campus housing during the summer, and I stumble across the Community Service Center. I had been involved in the center before, uh, serving as a trip leader for this program called Alternative Service Breaks. It was a cool program that sends students across the country to do community service during the week of spring break. But the position was a program manager position, and I wasn't really interested in doing that. I came across the storytelling position. I love to write, and I love to tell stories. I applied for the position. A week later, my phone dings, and I have an email notification from the community service center. I had gotten a position not for storytelling, but for the alternative service breaks position. I thought that was kind of strange because I didn't apply for that position, So while the job does offer summer housing, it is a pretty big time commitment. It's about 20 hours a week. You meet with different departments on campus. You end up hiring a team of trip leaders and meeting with them weekly. And you only get about $200 a week. I really asked myself, am I cut out for this? I mean, senior year is coming up. I'm also going to be an RA. Can I handle something like this? My gut is telling me that maybe it isn't the best idea for me, nor do I even think I'm really qualified to do this. Seeing what the program managers did in the past, I didn't really want to go through all of that. So I'm battling with my gut feeling, but after thinking about it for a while, I ignore my gut and accept the position because what if they do say something in me that I don't see in myself? Fast forward to the summer, I start working in this position and I meet my co-program manager, Grace. We hit it off immediately. She's super cool. We have the same taste in music. We laugh at the same memes. And we also work really well together. She's very methodical, is analytical, and adores a checklist. And I'm more of a big picture. How can we be more creative about this? 
and sort of head in the clouds. Together, we're a really great duo. So throughout the summer, we're meeting with Jack regularly to talk about our program and getting things squared away for the upcoming semester. And things are really, really good. Jack, the director of the Community Service Center, he is empowering Grace and I every single time that we meet, saying that we are qualified, we can make this program our own, we should really just trust in ourselves because we got it. He always made us feel like we were, we were the shit and nothing can really touch us. So there was chitter-chatter amongst the center saying that Jack would maybe leave. And I didn't think anything of it because people like to talk. But Grace tells me, you know, maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know. Jack has been here for a while and I feel like this would be a good time for him to leave. And I'm like, like our program is his baby. He would have told us, like, he's not going to leave us high and dry like that. Like, he, he wouldn't do that. So sure enough... At the end of the summer, I'm sitting in RA training and I get an email from from Jack. He sent the email out to the whole center and it basically says, I'm really honored to have had this position for however many years. And while I had a great time, it's time for me to transition out and leave my role as director of the community service center. And I am just like, you have got to be kidding me. I immediately start to think of what does that mean for us? We don't really know what we're doing, but ultimately Jack is the one that is going to guide us. So if we don't have him, who's going to do that? I got very stressed and my gut feeling came back. It was strong. It was telling me, maybe you should get out. Maybe you should leave. This isn't good. But while all of this is happening, I'm really struggling with my mental health. I've been facing depression and anxiety for about two years at this point, and I had been seeing a therapist regularly. So during the summer, I had a very interesting episode. I suddenly one day decided that I need to go running. I'm not a runner. I hate running. Running sucks. It's quite terrible. But this particular day, I just had all this energy to go run, and I went out and ran, and I went out and ran for miles. And this continue to happen every day. I have so much energy. I am up at all hours of the night responding to emails, feeling like I'm on top of the world. I can get so much done. Then I suddenly crash. I go from feeling on top of the world to feeling lower than I've ever felt before. I'm not leaving my bed. I'm crying every day. And when I come home on a Friday, I get into my bed and I don't leave my bed until Monday morning when I have to go to work. It's really, really, really dark. And I felt so out of whack. I call up a good friend of mine and I ask her to go for a walk. And on our walk, I'm explaining how bizarre it is and how I feel so out of control of myself. And she tells me, maybe you should see a psychiatrist, man. A lot of what you're saying sounds a lot like bipolar disorder and I've seen it happen in my family. I listen to what she says and I make an appointment with my therapist who refers me to the psychiatrist and sure enough, the psychiatrist diagnoses me with bipolar 2 disorder. And it doesn't really shock me, actually. I thought it would, but when she said that, I was almost relieved and a little bit comforted knowing that what I'm going through has a name for it and I'm not some sort of freak. 
We began to make a plan of what we could do to manage my bipolar 2 disorder without going on medication because that wasn't something that I was interested in at the time. And the three main things that the psychiatrist stressed was having a routine, tracking my moods, and minimizing stress in my life. So naturally, I thought about my job and how much stress it gives me. And the gut feeling came up again, saying, maybe, uh, I don't know, leave your job. And I felt so much guilt because I didn't want to just leave Grace by herself. And we were in the process of hiring our team and the people were amazing. But also, I don't know what the future holds because Jack just said he's leaving. So that's even more stressful. But if I were to leave, it'd be such a bad time. I don't know how I would live with myself if I just decided to leave. So I'm just battling with myself. Ultimately, I push aside my gut feelings and decide to stay, to stay with Grace, to see the program through, and to continue to hire our team of people. So at this job, we have monthly team meetings. And during our monthly team meeting, I'm sitting there talking with friends, eating good food, And Owen, the assistant director, gets up in front of everyone and calls attention to start the meeting. He's really, really tall and is socially awkward. (laughs) He is scatterbrained. He doesn't ever really finish his sentences. He goes off on tangents a lot. He doesn't necessarily know the boundaries between professionalism and being young and hip. I think he tries too hard. When he got up in front of everyone and started to speak in his very long-winded way, he says, I'm happy that you're all here because I want to announce that I will be taking over as interim director of the Community Service Center. Uncomfortable silence. I immediately (laughs) shoot my eyes to the floor. You could just feel in the room that everyone is super tense and very scared that he is going to be director. I really start to think, oh crap, he knows nothing about our program. Grace and I are going to have to educate him on everything. Oh no, this is not good. (sighs) This gut feeling came up again that this is going to be a lot of stress for me and Grace moving forward. So throughout the semester, we began to see that Owen is quite a poor communicator. We have to remind him of things over and over again. And one instance in particular, one event, we book a van with him two weeks prior to our event with our team. And we tell him, yo, we're going to use this van to get pizza. And he's like, cool, great, awesome. No worries. The day comes, I take the van out to go pick up the pizza like we agreed. And Grace starts blowing up my phone. And I'm like, what? How is she blowing up my phone? Like, she's supposed to be leading events with our team. So once I get the pizza, I pick up the phone and I call her. I say, Grace, what is going on? She says, yo, Owen has been blowing me up all afternoon. You need to come back with the van immediately because he had promised the van to the dean of students office. And I'm saying to her, what do you mean he promised it? Like we had agreed with him two weeks ago that we needed this van for our event. She's like, bro, I have no idea. You need to get back here. 
I come back, she's super frazzled, and we go aside to talk and she's like I don't know what's going on and I asked her was he just calling you because I didn't get any calls from him she was like apparently he didn't call you he was just texting me and only calling me and we're so frustrated and didn't really know what to do Owen's the type of person that doesn't like people to challenge his authority so we really feared that he would retaliate against us if we brought it up to him or said that we were really disappointed that he did this honestly so I go to therapy throughout this entire semester to talk with my therapist about it and be like Owen is trash I'm very tired Grace and I are stressed all the time and my therapist says to me that this job is giving you a lot of stress maybe you should consider leaving and I was like Rachel I hear you I really do but also I made a commitment being here and I love Grace and I love our team. I can't leave them at this point. I feel like I have an allegiance to them, you know? My therapist says, but really consider what this is doing to you. If you're having a big stressor in your life, it could really trigger either a depressive or manic episode. So really take time to think about it. And I did take time to think about it, but I I felt like my hands were tied. I couldn't leave right now we're in the deep of it and me leaving would be hard on everyone so I decided to stay the semester ends winter break comes and goes and I'm about to enter the most stressful part of the job spring break is around the corner and there's a lot we have to do we are running 20 different trips that are going all around the country we have to make sure vans are booked we have to make sure flights are booked We have to make sure we have information on each one of our 400 plus volunteers, make sure that we are accommodating to health needs that people may have on the trips, preparing our trip leaders on what to do in an emergency, how to act on the roads, and how they need to check in with us daily, creating spreadsheets. There's a lot that has to go in before we go on these trips, and All of that was weighing on me, so much so that I fall into a deep depression. I'm not going to class, I'm barely going to work, and I'm doing the bare minimum as an RA to not get fired. I'm not eating, I lay in bed all day, it's just really hard and really dark. And I go to therapy and she says, you're depressed, obviously, what do you think could have caused this? And I'm like, it's most likely my job. (laughs) Thank you, Rachel. She challenges me again to really think about my position there and what I could do to work towards having a better mental state. So one morning in particular, I'm sitting in my bed crying, ugly crying, and I pick up my journal and list out all the things I have to do between that point and spring break. The list is long and I am exhausted. I just feel so exhausted and drained. And I asked myself, can you do this? The answer is no, I really can't because I don't have anything to give anymore. And the thought crosses my mind, what if you just don't go on spring break? The thought scared me, but it also made me kind of relieved. So... I hit up Grace and I asked to go for a walk and we go for a walk and I explain everything that's going on, how I'm depressed, how I'm not going to class, how I 
feel really bad and how I'm considering not even going on spring break. And her being the wonderful person that she is, she says, you know, bro, you got to do you. And if you don't want to go on spring break because it's not healthy for you, then you shouldn't go. And like, we'll be okay. We'll figure something out. I can take on more responsibility. So nice. Grace is literally an angel from heaven. As she says this, I immediately feel guilty because I don't want it to feel like I'm dipping on her last minute and leaving this whole program on her shoulders. She's a person too. She goes through a lot too. So maybe I should just suck it up. So I'm going back and forth. I haven't really decided, but this gut feeling is not going away of maybe I should just get out. My story begins in September 2020. I'm months into the panty and Corona has taken a lot, including my energy, creativity, and sanity. One day I plopped down with my notebook, willing something, anything to come out. I've been saying that I wanted to write a book and since I can't really go anywhere, why not try it out? But the page stays empty. My anxiety and loneliness seeps in, dimming whatever creative spark I may have had. My roommate Jasmine walks in and asks me to help her move some furniture. Where does she get the energy? I'm squatting to pick up the couch when she goes, eh, you know you've been doodling in your notebook for hours. <laughs> Hardy har har, Jasmine. I tell her, look, honestly, it's a little scary how little creative energy I have. Jasmine nods. She's like, yeah, living through a pandemic will exhaust you. But it wasn't just that. The world has been on fire for months now, and I'm craving a way to express how that and everything makes me feel. The problem is, I don't know where to start. Jasmine gets this excited look on her face. I recently saw something that I wanted to sign up for. I think you should too. It's called the kinship. The what? The kinship, she says. You know the podcast you had me at Black? Yeah, well, their team created it. It's a digital community designed to nurture your inner creative and give you a creative outlet. They got workshops, creative sessions, virtual meetups, and creative prompts to get your creative juices flowing. It sounds dope as hell. Y'all, I run to my room. I'm signing up now, I shout behind me. Finally, some hope and some inspiration. Take it from me. You may be on lockdown, but your creativity doesn't have to be. Join the kinship at www.youhadmeatblack.com slash kitchen. So it's now March. Spring break would start on March 7th, which is a Saturday. On Monday, March 2nd, I come into the office for a shift like I normally do on Mondays and I'm sitting there and the phone rings. I pick up the phone and it's the Dean of Students office asking for Owen and I transfer them and hang up. Didn't really think much about it. 30 seconds later, Owen goes running through the office into the elevator. I have never seen that man move like that before. So I was like, hmm, kind of questionable, but all right. I've seen stranger things. Didn't think much about it. Grace texts me and asks me if 
Owen is there? And I was like, no, he actually just went running. It was kind of bizarre. And she says, yo, bro, if he went running towards the dean of students office, it's about us. It's about our program. They're going to cancel it. And I was like, why would why would they do that? They're not going to cancel it. She's like, yo, I've been really tracking the news about coronavirus and it's getting serious. And I don't think they're going to sign off on our program anymore. I was like, nah, bro, that can't be it. Like, okay, sure. Theories, all right? But I don't think that's they're going to cancel on us last minute. Like, we literally leave on Saturday. It's Monday, so last minute. And then Owen calls a meeting with me and Grace. He sits us down and says, I had a meeting with Dina students today. And because of coronavirus going around, sending 400 plus students around the country to different places, some by plane, some by car, isn't safe. And it's such a big liability for us. So we have to pull the plug on your program and you can't go. I was shocked and upset. I feel anger towards myself because my gut had been telling me from the beginning that maybe this isn't for me and maybe I should leave on multiple occasions. And I stayed and to have it just dissipate immediately was heart-wrenching. I was just in a very dark place because of it. I go to therapy. I tell my therapist that the program's not running anymore because of coronavirus, and she's sympathetic. She is, but challenges me to think about what I learned from this experience. I learned a few things. One, I can't put my mental health on the back burner for other people because of what other people may feel or what other people may say. That's not healthy for me. Another thing I learned is that I must trust my gut. Ultimately, my gut was trying to tell me something. It was trying to save me from a lot of hurt. It was trying to save me from a lot of heartache. And if I would have listened, I think I would have been in a much better mental and emotional state. I tell this story to remind myself that I must come first. I must come first before a job, a relationship, a friendship, family, because if I keep putting myself on the back burner for other people, it's only going to hurt me in the end. Ultimately, just really trust yourself, trust your gut, trust your intuition, because it's never going to lead you wrong. The National Alliance on Mental Illness provides free and confidential support via phone or text for people in distress, resources for you and your loved ones, and best practices for professionals. You can call them Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. through 6 p.m. Eastern at 1-800-950-NAMI, N-A-M-I, or 24-7 via text. Text N-A-M-I to 741 741. We've linked to these and more healing and safety resources in the show notes. Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. If you like what you heard, leave us a rating or review wherever you're listening now. It helps more people find the show. We're a podcast, but we're also so much more. To join our community, The Kinship, or to attend our virtual storytelling events and creative workshops, 
or to learn how you can partner with us, visit youhadmeatblack.com. You Had Me at Black is hosted and executive produced by me, Martina Abraham-Zalunga. Brittany Abrahams produced this episode. Akira Charles and Chelsea Daniel made it sound good. And Nalise Wazungu holds us all together. <laughs>